I'm Chris Reback. Welcome to Quick Conversations, our podcast that explores the extraordinary world of global supply chain logistics, how it keeps business and life moving. As we know, the COVID-19 pandemic impacted nearly every aspect of our lives. And as every business had to reinvent operating procedures on the fly, the goal was the same. Maintain operations, serve clients, stay safe. And when managing global supply chains for clients in nearly every continent, that's a lot to reinvent on the fly. And behind it all, the technology, customer apps, internal operations, and all of a sudden, a work-from-home employee base, one that still needs to maintain the extraordinary service levels and business continuity that clients who depend on a seamless global supply chain require for mission-critical and life-saving logistics. So for the Quick Group, what did it take to ensure all aspects of its back and front-end technology were in place to keep clients and supply chains secure? How much of it was some version of the old motto, be prepared, and how much meant leveraging internal experience and creativity to solve the inevitable obstacles that a global pandemic throws at you? To find out, we hosted a dynamic virtual roundtable with four of the Quick Group's technology leaders who support the company's four business units. Sterling Global Aviation Logistics, Quick Specialized Healthcare Logistics, QuickStat Global Life Science Logistics, and Quick Specialty Logistics. They include Eric Bischoff, Chief Information Technology Officer, Michael McNally, Vice President of IT Product Management, Ed Wendell, Director of User and System Support Documentation and Training, and Bob Rottinger, Director of IT Infrastructure and Compliance. In fact, the conversation was so filled with insights, best practices, and actionable guidance for clients that we broke it into two parts. Quick note before we start. If you like what you hear, I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. It makes a big difference in helping people find the podcast. Now, here's part one of our Quick Group IT Roundtable discussion. Thank you for joining this call. Really looking forward to uh, this group meeting. Good morning. Well, yeah, good, morning. good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Why don't we start by going quickly round robin and just tell me, although I already know it, so we'll tell our audience your names and what you do. Eric, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I'm Eric Bischoff, Chief Information Technology Officer for Quick. Uh, I've been here, I don't know, 37, 38 years. I, keep, I lose track. I'm located yep. in uh, Long Island, New York. I oversee uh, IT, telecommunications, and facilities. Excellent. Uh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, Mike, let's hear about you. Yeah, Michael McNally. Hello. Um, Vice President of IT Product Management. I've uh, been with Quick for 13 years now, and um, uh, I oversee the product, uh, the IT product, and um, the roadmap future roadmap for quick. Excellent. Ed, tell us about you. Sure. My name is Edward Wendell. I'm the director of uh, users and systems documentation and training. I've been with uh, Quick International Courier for 20 years. I manage the help desk. I work with uh, all the employees in the company to help resolve uh, their problems as they, as they come up. Excellent. And uh, Bob, you're the you're the newbie, right? You're still the rookie of the team. I am. Uh, my name is Bob Rodinger. I've been with Quick for about three years now, and I am responsible for IT infrastructure and compliance. Excellent. 
Excellent. Well, you know, if you only go another, uh, you know, multi, you know, what, 10 times, 11 times, a little bit more than that, actually, about 13 times, maybe you can start uh, catching up to Eric. So, you know, something to look forward to. I would be a hundred years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you would, you would still be keeping uh, the IT uh, systems uh, running and everything working perfectly for clients externally and internally. So um, on that topic of uh, IT um, and the capabilities, the products, the infrastructure, um, the continuity of business, uh, needless to say, uh, you guys, uh, as well as most of the world, has really, really, really been put to the test over the last year. And I am really anxious to get to uh, hear about that from you, uh, hear about how you were prepared, uh, what, you know, in what ways had investments and uh, decisions that you had made over the years uh, put you in a position for COVID-19, for the pandemic, um, and then two, what happened during, what has been happening during the pandemic uh, that has surprised you? And then uh, we can look forward a little bit. And what are, what are you thinking about uh, continuity of business in terms of IT systems going forward? Um, but, but why don't we start with uh, how you were prepared? In what ways were you prepared? What did you have in place um, going into this pandemic? Eric, why don't we start with you? I would assume that those circumstances that you had uh, considered in terms of your own continuity of business were all of the usual, weather, earthquakes, power outages, all the things that we had kind of expected. Um, w one, was pandemic on your list? And two, what were the decisions that you had made over time previously coming into this, what was your level of preparedness coming into COVID? So, yes, it's in our DNA. The show must go on. Mm. So we've always worked with that in mind. Uh, we're a 24-7 company, and we've certainly been tested over the years and keeping things running. And uh, we learn every time there's an event, and we adjust, and we uh, add more redundancy. So... It's part of what we do. I think we're very good at it at this point. So this pandemic uh, certainly added some layers of complexity to this, uh, mostly because even though we've had a lot of people working from home in the past, in the tune of probably 100 people, we're now at a level of probably 300 people working from home. So we've made it work. So talk to me about some of the areas of redundancy that you had in place going what previously go, going into this. What did what did continuity of business mean from your point of view? Well, there's two of everything, at least. So there's two data centers in the different geographic locations. We have one in New Jersey, one in Illinois. In those data centers, there are two of everything when it comes to servers or routers or switches, sometimes even three or more. Um, at the level of the offices, same thing. Um, everything is uh, in uh, doubles, including the internet connections and the MPLS circuits from the carriers. And uh, power, same thing. We have generators and our control towers. And uh, 
even at the office le- at the desk level, we have uh, UPSs. So we try to make it as redundant as possible. But but to be fair, there is only one Eric Bischoff. I mean, you might have two of everything, but there's only one Eric Bischoff, right? Yes, but I have a whole team. Ah, uh, okay. So we've got we've got you doubled as well. All bases covered. Um, Ed, I'm curious about uh, help desk and users and ways in which going into so pre-COVID. Um, what would be some of the challenges that you might run into and in what ways were you prepared to be able to answer those challenges and keep the, t- the internal teams running 24-7? We've always been very, very uh, busy and we're, we're very responsive. We provide support, uh, you know, around the clock, uh, you know, 365 days a year. And... Um, you know, I went back and looked at looked at the numbers of, of a number of requests that we've gotten in from year to year, and we're we're a little bit higher this year, uh, obviously due to COVID. And Ed, let's talk about those problems and help desk preparedness pre-COVID. What were some of the things? How did you ensure? What were the responsibilities? What did it look like to ensure continuity of business uh, to keep the quick employees up and ready 24-7 because, as you know, that's what your clients expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, key, uh, the key for us is to never take any, any problem too lightly. Any, any little problem that comes in that gets reported from somebody could be indicative of a greater problem. As, as issues come in, you've got to triage them. You've got to see what's more important. If you see one person having a problem connecting, that's that could be a local issue. But if all of a sudden you see three or four similar problems come in with a few minutes, then you've got to assemble a team and look because there could be a problem that could be affecting uh, many more people. The, the, the key is to always be prepared for, for something, uh, something huge happening. And Mike, from a product management point of view, I'm sure you're wearing multiple hats, but of the two main hats, uh, are you thinking about how do I, um, improve, grow, design uh, products that are responsive to client requirements that are the types of products that we at Quick are trying to deliver to uh, the rest of the world. Um, But what about the issues of preparedness and continuity of business? When those issues come up, how do you consider that when you are thinking about product management yeah, so it's it's definitely always in our conversation. We actually have weekly calls with the architecture team, Bob and Eric, and the dev team to discuss, you know, our uptime and and our redundancies. And you know, when you're building products and you're you're collecting user stories from customers and and internal user, external users, uh, you're obviously you know thinking of features and you know the the sizzle on the stick, right? Um, but you know, we have our job to also make sure that what we're building is is redundant, has those safety measures in place, um, have backups um, available. So if you know a customer can't get um, online, um, then what are our other options of solving that issue or providing that information? We have plenty of different ways of communicating. We have push notifications, email notifications, mm-hmm. verbal notifications. So, you know, it's always something as we move technology, people, you know, move away from, you know, faxes to emails to emails to, you know, Slack and, and um, Teams and, and mobile. It's we 
continuing to support those legacy systems as well, because they are our backups and our redundancies if there's issues, which there are, you know, and it's not always in our control. You know, we have an amazing team that jumps on an emergency work order at all times of the day uh, and night, but sometimes it's just an outage, you know, Netflix is down, Amazon services are down. So how do we handle that when it's out of our control, which is a huge topic of conversation that, you know, we discuss when, when building uh, our new products. Well, if Netflix is down, I mean that's a global emergency. That then exactly. How do you balance from a strategic point of view the sizzle that you just mentioned? Because I am sure you know, pushing the envelope on the sizzle uh means introducing some risk because it's new. So how how do you think about uh um balancing those tensions? Yeah, it's definitely a balance. Um, it's definitely something where, you know, we want to obviously push, you know, we, we want to continue to push, um, you know, push our, our teams and, and try to think outside the box. But we have to continue to think about us as logistics specialists. How do we control that in a way where we know it's it's to the best of our customer and to the best of, of the product at a whole. So it's a lot of conversation and, and that's why we bring in, we have the development team, the sales team, the operations team. So we bring everybody in, we, we, we're discussing these user stories, these ideas, uh, if it comes in, um, you know, by a customer specifically, or just kind of naturally, uh, you know, in a conversation um, and, you know, maybe a workshop session. And, um, you know, talk it out and, and figure out, okay, well, you know, this is what we can do, or maybe this is what we would like to do. And we can always change and, and react based on our initial rollout of that feature. And really providing transparency at every level to the customers. Bob, from a compliance point of view, where does preparedness, where does continuity of business fit into the compliance uh, areas that you think about uh, all the time? I think it's better to look at it from our customer's point of view. Just yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was uh, participating in three customer audits. And the first question was, what are we doing for business continuity, whether it's the protection of data or locations in which we uh, can recover our data, um, it's uh, it's the it's the number one question that they're asking today, and it's the it's the number one job of of people in IT, um, the the tried and true acronym of CIA, which is the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of data, is paramount to what we do from a compliance standpoint, because it's all about our data. So it's, it's really important. It's, um, it's never ending and compliance is probably the number two item on our list. The first one is availability. The second one is compliance, ensuring that our, the way that we manage, store, transmit and protect our data meets the many different guidelines and requirements of our customers, regardless of the nation, the country that they're in, and the guidelines that they're operating under. So it's very important from a customer standpoint, clients need to know what's happening at every milestone. Correct. How do you provide that? So we have a lot of 
operational checkpoints in place. Every step of the way, we're collecting that information. Where the package is being collected, it's at the airport, it's in customs. There's a delay at customs. It's been released from customs. So we have a suite of these checkpoints and our, our system's designed to alarm, have our operational team say, okay, you know, it's time to now call and find out some more information. And, and we're taking this information, we're collecting it into our system from many different sources, and then that's being provided in real time to the customers via those items I mentioned earlier, push notifications, mobile app, email notifications, text. So there's just a, a whole different way of how every customer kind of wants to receive those milestone updates and get this information from us. And we are pretty proud of how much information we can provide and something that we continue to look at to say, are there additional information we do want to provide? And now with a lot of our partners providing information on flight delays or weather issues, and and we can continue to add that data into our notification streams uh, and our tools to add not only our checkpoints, but a host of other information from GPS locations to driver's locations to flight information that we're aggregating and putting all together in one nice, neat package for the customer. And is that, in terms of innovation on that area, on alerts and transparency, is that is it about bundling the the different sets of information, the different data points? Is that where new ways of communicating will come up? Or is it a technology question in terms of methods of communication? So you mentioned the the evolution from fax to email to you know slack now and and push alerts um, how, how do you think about uh, always advancing that transparency yeah it's both you know we obviously you know every every company now is is mostly mostly providing an, an external api right so it's saying here's our api here's our data we can give it to you in this form um, do with it how you want to what you need to so you know we're 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 used we're building you know internal tools to obviously hook into these services, um, and then you know deciding on how do we want to display this uh, to the customer to in in something that's you know visible uh, you know understand you know they they can understand you know we have a lot of customers that aren't you know logistics specialists they don't understand you know the verbiage that's being used is is, is not always clear from a common users perspective. So we spend a lot of time and, um, you know, um, we have a, a great design team to think of how does the person receiving this view this information? You know, how does this mechanic understand where their part may be? We have to think of all these different personas because our business units, our verticals have a suite of different types of customers and each customer understands some information, you know, slightly differently that we want to make sure that um, we're providing all that information, all that those data sources into one unified, simple to view, read, understand stream. And that's accessible from, you know, a computer in your home office with your 34 inch ultra wide, you know, down to a tablet, maybe you're on site or uh, a mobile phone. And, and how do you do that all, you know, uh, with varying um, device sizes, you know, varying profile uh, platforms and, and trying to, um, you know, uh, yeah, it, you know, trying to um, simplify it um, to cover, you know, all of our, you know, all, all, type, all types of customers. And I am certain that all types of customers, all types of devices, 
as COVID arrived and accelerated, the need for uh, information uh, as quickly as possible um, and the need for answering questions around continuity of business preparedness only increased. And so, Eric, um, I would love to turn back to you. A global pandemic surely brings new challenges. You had talked about the uh, um, the redundancy, the the at least two of everything. Um, but what surprised you? What um, impacted you that you might not have expected? Um, and and what did you hear from clients, whether that was directly or uh, you know through the team, you know through customer facing uh, quick colleagues? Um, as COVID arrived and accelerated, uh, for a person who has spent so much of your career thinking about continuity of business and building in redundancies, what surprised you? What surprised me was whatever scenarios we had thought of in the past, now all of a sudden they were all new. So we had to come up with new scenarios. Uh, it all happened pretty quickly too, right? So you, you get people to work from home. Things lighten up. Some people are starting to come back into the uh, control towers, and then it starts up again. So that was un unexpected as well. We also had to answer a lot more uh, questions to the customers for audits uh, as to what our preparedness is or what's our plan for this year. And Ed, what did uh, what did you see? What surprised you? Oh boy. Um... You know, when Eric talks about the, 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 the speed of this, when, when, when this, when this first hit, we had about, um, we had about 75 to 80 people that were permanently working from home already and mm -hmm. a, a handful of others that could work from home. And then, and then we went and added, uh, another 335 people on top of that. Um, so now that, you know, close to 65, 70% of our workforce can, can work from home but everyone handled it really well from, from all of our team to all of uh, what I like to call our customers, our employees, because, you know, in IT, that's, you know, a lot of who I serve. Uh, and, and we've got the best customers in the world. These people, you know, under very trying situations went home and set up equipment and they were asked to do a lot of stuff on their own. And, uh, and it, was, it was very, very difficult for a lot of them to make that adjustment. And it was one of the really pleasant surprises of this, you know, a happy moment out of something, uh, you know, worldwide and so tragic um, was how well everybody just uh, adjusted to this, to this phase of life. Bob, from a compliance point of view, did the compliance book need to be rewritten or did new chapters need to get added? How did you have to rethink compliance requirements in a COVID world? Well, again, I think it was the expectation that our compliance of data, of security was in place and as resilient and as strong before the pandemic as it was during the pandemic. There were no passes here. All of our clients had expectations that we were either going to be within the guidelines that they have implored on us, or we were going to exceed those guidelines. As a matter of fact, the expectation was that uh, we had things in place that we were executing according to our pandemic plans, and that it was going to be business as usual, and we were going to meet all the compliance requirements 
that they already had of a, on us prior to the pandemic. You know, we have uh, different business uh, units uh, from aviation to stat to life science to specialty logistics. And as the pandemic hit, our aviation business, which was the biggest business unit of them all, actually dropped down in, in volume uh, because the airlines weren't flying anymore. But the stat, which is, you know, healthcare, took on a much bigger demanding role. And the work that Bob has to do for compliance uh, is actually, you know, much larger when it comes to healthcare and life science and big pharma. So that work has actually increased because of that. And Mike, as you think about, uh, and Mike, how did COVID impact the product management side of things? Um, changed some things, obviously, you know, um, now with, um, mm. you know, the push, a lot of customers moving more towards contactless pickups, contactless deliveries that, you know, the, that's a big change for us. We're, we're, we're used to, um, you know, meeting people, um, having them sign directly uh, with, you know, um, with a package. So we had to adapt some of our current, um, you know, we were able to quickly, um, you know, serve some customers requests to add some different, to make some changes into our mobile app to, to accommodate some contactless deliveries, uh, but also maintain um, the security aspect of it. So we worked with, with a few customers on you know, how do we allow um, our, our agents to make the delivery, um, you know, um, in, a, in a facility, um, but then they can still secure that, you know, to make sure that that package is still there. It's where they expect it to be. The correct package has been delivered. So, you know, we made a lot of, um, you know, changes there, but, you know, um, we were, you know, you know, with kind of how we have always developed products is always looking to um, continue to improve and, Luckily, in, in a couple of instances where, you know, we had some early products we developed that um, we just prior to COVID moved uh, to a more of a web-based platform. And that really helped serve us and the customer in that transition for them as, as a lot of their teams moved from a facility or an office together where they may be monitoring their shipments over a large screen in the office to now wanting to tr- kind of monitor those shipments from their homes. So continuing to work on our, on our products and reevaluate and iterate uh, on what we already have has, has served us, you know, pro- continue to provide to the customer in these unforeseen times. The complexities, like we had to build a virtual call center, you know, that's something that was new in our world. Michael has been pretty busy this year because we were uh, early adopters of technology in our industry. And we had our own ERP that we, you know, released starting in uh, 1990. We were we had uh, our online system in 2000, and uh, we're now in the phase this year of rebuilding brand new technology. So a lot of Michael's time is taken up with this, and uh, now we've become experts at uh, using Zoom to do development teams. 
That was part one of the Quick Group IT Roundtable. In part two, we'll move deeper not only into best practices, but also into client relationships and how they evolve based on their continuity of business requirements and Quick's technology capabilities. To learn more about Quick's global logistics solutions or to subscribe to our podcast, go to quick.aero, that's A-E-R-O, slash podcasts.